Hey folks, I'm Jim Ambusky, and this is Conversations at the Washington Library. Imagine you lived in the year 1793. The United States has just suffered its worst military defeat in its history at the hands of the Miami Shawnee Confederacy. The French Revolution has turned horrifically violent, and France is now at war with most of Europe. And both the British and the French are pressuring the United States to choose a side. Now imagine that you are one of the American, European, or indigenous leaders whose voices will help shape how the U.S. responds to these events. Well, now you can be. In the coming months, students will have the chance to participate in a new live-action role-playing game here at the library. It's called the Situation Room Experience, Washington's Cabinet. The game challenges you to help navigate the U.S. through what Washington might have called the dangerous shoals of Scylla and Charybdis. On today's show, game designer Trey Alsup and Mount Vernon student learning specialist Sadie Troy give you a sneak peek at a remarkable new way of teaching young people about the past. Now, I'll say that we field-tested the game here at the library a few weeks ago, and it was insanely fun. I got to play Philip Furneaux. Furneaux was the publisher of the National Gazette, a paper that supported Thomas Jefferson, and Furneaux was basically Jefferson's hitman in the press. So I spent a delightful 75 minutes writing and publishing terrible things about Alexander Hamilton and the game app, and I loved every minute of it, with all apologies to you Hamilton fans out there, including Dr. Kate Brown. And Trey and Sadie do a really great job on today's program of explaining how it all works. Now, before we get started, just a reminder to please like and subscribe to Conversations wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in next week when I talk to Harlow Unger about Thomas Paine and the clarion call for independence. But for now, I'll see you in 1793. This is going to be fun. No, it will be fun. Things are fun. So Sadie briefed you, you... Um, yeah, I feel good. I'm, I'm actually really very interested in what you do. Because I, as a kid, you know, I did Model UN, mm-hmm. and so I did those kinds of simulations, and that was before we had the Internet as we know it, or the World Wide Web as we know it, before really any of us had personal computers. But now you are creating simulations where somebody can step into the shoes of a cabinet member in Washington's period, or in your first experience with, with Reagan's cabinet, and they can actually play out scenarios where they are trying to make the decisions or trying to advise whomever about how to proceed. Um, how, where did that idea come from? You know, where, what was the core of that idea to, to try to create some kind of simulation that would put students in a role-playing experience uh, using digital technology? Well, I think, like, the idea is, like, as you referenced, Model UN's been around for a while. And if you're trying to figure out, like, what to call these games or how to think about them, they are, they're educational simulations, Mm -hmm. but they're also what you would call a LARP, you know, which is just a live-action role-playing game or experience. You're going to take on a role, you're going to play out that role over the course of a scenario. Mm -hmm. And this is something that's become a lot more popular here in the United States and in Europe and around the, around the world, and I think educators have always saw that there was a real opportunity there to have kids engage mm-hmm. uh, history or civics or really any subject you want by making a game where you know you come in and just play the role and you don't even kind of realize you're you're learning something or even the objectives of what you're learning isn't exactly you know, what was the neutrality proclamation, Mm -hmm. but it might be about how does our government work? How did the different branches interact with each other? How do people make decisions in our government, especially when you don't have, you know, extensive amounts of 
of information. So specifically, though, um, the first Situation Room experience was the brainchild of um, Duke Blackwood at the Reagan Library mm -hmm. because they were able to, the Reagan Library uh, and then the George W. Bush Library were able to get their hands on the actual White House Situation Room the actual from room. the White House. Yeah, uh, in 2006, they did a, a redo. Uh, okay. to the to what it is now renovation they did, a, they did a renovation a technological upgrade and so they pulled everything out and put it in crates and then uh, both the Reagan library and the George W Bush library said we want it and so like the situation room isn't just a single room it's mm -hmm. actually you know an entire kind of like complex where a lot of times America's foreign policy is decided in this complex so there was both sure. a main conference room, and then a secure video transmission site that were functionally identical. Mm -hmm. Reagan got the secure video transmission site. George W. Bush Library got the main conference room. Wow. Visually, they're almost identical. The one in Bush is like a foot and a half wider. But they reconstructed mm -hmm. both of these places at the library, and it's now part of what you can visit there. It's not exactly open to the public, but the director of the Reagan Library said this is a fantastic opportunity to do something educational where mm -hmm. we bring in kids and have them actually, you know, run a, run a scenario, be, you know, thrown into a foreign policy crisis. And they had also done a project called the Discovery Center there that was targeting 7th and 8th grade kids, mm -hmm. and they knew they wanted to do something that was more sophisticated, more interactive, and would be geared towards junior and senior high school kids. And that's where they started out, and that's when they found me. That's really amazing because that puts people in the position of individuals who may be still alive. It's very recent history, right, for a lot of us who are of the age that can remember Reagan and, and the Cold War and the kind of decisions that they were having to make uh, in that period. You know, to high school kids now, though, that well, is that's, ancient history. That, that well, might as well be the true. fall of Rome, <laughs> you know, as far as they're concerned. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I think I... I did, I did sort of realize I was getting older when, when I uh, realized that some of my own students didn't, were not, they were alive during 9-11 but had no memory of it and no mm -hmm. sense of what the implications of that event were. They were just living in the reality that that world created. Um, so how do you, I guess then how do you, picking up on that thread, then, so how do, you, how do you design something that puts people in those shoes that, that is, uh, as you say, sort of unfamiliar to them or it might be, Somewhat familiar, but um, equivalent to the fall of Rome for a <laughs> seventh or eighth grader. Yeah, fortunately, like I had designed a number of games mm -hmm. already. These LARPs, I'd had a a company. We just did this for fun. This was a hobby, designing like Game of Thrones LARPs or Battlestar Galactica LARPs that could play eighty people, and we would run these Jeez. at conventions uh, around the the country and people would come and play a four or five hour game and completely mm -hmm. costume. It's quite a hobby. It was a lot I mean, that's fun, a big ordeal is what a, I'm talking it's about. It's a community. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a community of people because it's, they're, LARPs are actually great games for mm -hmm. adults uh, because, you know, they're social games. Sure. They're about, you know, playing a role, having a conversation. It's more like a cocktail party. You know, often you're costuming, mm -hmm. but you're you're playing out a character. Do I need you? All right, maybe you know we're 
we're joking, we're flirting, but you might die. You know, these are, <laughs> these are, these wow. are exciting. Real stakes. Yeah. I took a turn. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, in, in the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. And so. Well, it's uh, like academia, you know. Just <laughs> like, yeah. That's exactly right. So I had a background of kind of knowing what would be an engaging narrative mm-hmm. experience. And then it was just a matter of kind of like looking at the history mm-hmm. and seeing what was there that was going to uh, engage people in the story. Well, uh, could you talk a little bit about your uh, love of, of game design and how did you get into that? I mean, was this something that started as a kid uh, or is it something you picked up later in life? No, I've been a nerd for a long time. Same. <laughs> uh, started out playing Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, uh-huh. scaring my parents that, you know, that I was going to become a, you know, worshiper of Satan. <laughs> If you remember that whole scare yeah. in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a big concern that kids playing Dungeons and Dragons were either going to worship Satan or we were going to get lost in the steam tunnels yes, underneath, yep. you know, mm-hmm. many universities. Um, so You my, made it out of both. Physically. <laughs> physically, yes. I say, how's your personal relationship with Lord Satan? <laughs> right. We don't call him that <laughs> anymore. Um, my, so my love of games, though, uh, ended up kind of transferring into uh, filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so I went to college and graduate school and became a filmmaker, and I worked in Hollywood for decades as an editor in the television business, all the while playing, playing games. Playing these games. Yeah, so it remained, it remained a hobby. Um, and then I got involved with LARPing, which I kind of mm-hmm. explained was like, the, I don't want to play Dungeons & Dragons anymore. Yeah. And I know to a lot of our listeners that won't that doesn't mean anything. Um but mostly what I didn't want to do anymore is play games that were about power fantasy. Okay. You know, where hey, we're gonna go up levels and I'm gonna get a magic sword so that I can, you know, kill more monsters and you know, kind of play something where I'm envisioning that I'm Conan or a powerful wizard. Like that kind of mm-hmm. You don't want that major fantasy escape. Well, it's even, it's even the, like the nature of those games is I am going up in my power level. I am getting more and more important. Now, what people really take away from these games in the long-running games that they do is often the social interactions. Like, we're a group of players here. We're going to meet every Saturday. We're going to play, sure. and then a story is going to play out. Like, that's really great. That's really interesting. It's the whole going up levels and becoming more important part that doesn't interest me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you, LARPing in a sense, gets to the what did we like about those games as we got older mm-hmm. and just kind of distilling it mm-hmm. and making that more essential. And so it is the social thing. And it's really, it's like the only part of the gaming industry of like the board gaming hobby industry mm-hmm. that's almost 50% women too. Really? So, you know, gaming is a is still really guy yeah. heavy. If you go to a Magic the Gathering tournament, it will be, you know, 95%. Most of the guys. I'm sorry if I got that stat wrong, but that's certainly the way it seems, yeah. even if it's not true. Whereas if you go to a LARPing event, it can easily be over 50% women depending on the event because it just appeals to, it has a different appeal. Here. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, what is, explains that, that uh, inclusivity versus that exclusivity between, you know, the two uh, forms of gameplay? 
Well, I think part of it is the, the social nature. Mm-hmm. I think that LARP, especially among LARP creators, especially in Europe, is specifically designed to be inclusive. Okay. Also, like that's a core value. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, there's a movement right now called LARPing for Transformation that's all about inclusivity, but also like designing games that are going to have a positive impact on the players. So just, mm-hmm. and that's, that has a lot of kind of like uh, things that can relate to education also. Like sure. what are we getting out of these games? What are our, you know, it's hard when you do a game or even like the simulations I'm doing to say, you know, what are the outcomes here mm-hmm. for students? It's a difficult thing to measure because you're not, you're not measuring subject matter mm-hmm. mastery. Mm-hmm. But you do have a lot of kind of softer stuff that may be more valuable in terms of like what kids are getting out of a simulation in terms of leadership or communication Absolutely. or decision making or uh, just skill base skill yeah but yeah. not even specific skills right. but Absolutely. we do have like for example one of the things we hear from the kids after we run one of these situation room experiences a lot of times is they say i had no idea what government was or what the press does i have a new respect for how mm. difficult their job is right. and sure. some of them are even like I had never thought about this being something that I might want to do in my life, mm-hmm. and now I'm considering it. You know, so you know, these are things that you actually hear. So I don't know, you know, is that going to help them with their AP test in the, you know, in the spring? I don't know, but it. I think like you did model UN. Is this, I did. You yeah. have memories from that. I do. I remember very clearly uh, being at several tournaments at Earlham College. Uh, in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a Quaker school. I grew up in Ohio, and so one of the places they did those simulations was at Earlham. And uh, I remember very distinctly in those moments you learned more about your own country than you did, I think, than you did about other countries. I can, I, I can remember thinking very clearly, oh, this is how the U.S. exercises power in the world. This is how it uh, tries to get what it wants, and this is how it kind of makes other people around the world pretty angry. Uh, and so it gives you a, a sense of self-reflection, I think, about the strategies your country is employing to achieve its political policy goals, but also the ways in which other peoples around the globe are trying to achieve their own ends. Uh, but you're trying to do that in a collaborative framework uh, with a very specific set of rules that govern you know, how, uh, how you decisions are made and, and what the potential outcomes might possibly be. Um, so I, you know, I've always, I've always you know, had that in mind. Uh, since I was a kid, I kind of miss Model UN, actually. So this is why I'm excited to see uh, how this Situation Room experience plays out. Um, right. So that's that's why we're talking yeah. today, right? We're, we have a new scenario yeah. that's going to run both at the Reagan Library in California and it's going to run here at the Washington Library, mm-hmm. which is the second one we've done. And so it's the Situation Room experience, Washington's cabinet. Sure. And so the difference of this one from the first one, we were talking before about Reagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the basic premise behind the, the first one we did was the day the president was shot. Mm-hmm. And um, what we actually did with that one is we made it modern and we also made it fictional. So it drew a lot of um, inspiration and reference from that day in 1981 when Reagan was shot, but we... We wanted to separate it out. From, you were talking about, you know, people who are actually still alive that yeah. were involved with this. You know, we didn't want people necessarily playing Alexander Haig. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But we did want people confronting a lot of the same uh, decisions that the people in that room sure. were facing. And, you know, we have had our Alexander Haig moments in, in the mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. when, you know, when the press who are, you know, about half of the people who play in the game, you're either a member of the government or you're a member of the press. The press want to know who's in charge when the president's been shot and the vice president is on, on their way back to Washington you yeah. know, who's in charge? That was the question that, you know, Alexander Haig was answering that kind of cost him his career was the press saying, you know, who's in charge right now? And yeah. he was trying to reassure a nation, but I think a lot of people interpreted that as kind of a naked power grab. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was very, it, it, not, it didn't do much to sort of mollify people's fears, right? It only intensified what they what they knew what they is going know. on yeah in what that the heck room. is going on yeah right and that's the drama what's going on in that room yeah uh and you get to be in the room in this one and so now you've you've developed this simulation based on washington's cabinet in 1793 1793-94 really a critical time for the republic europe is at war with itself again uh americans are facing uh the prospect of being drawn into that war with britain and france and Washington has to decide whether or not he's going to stay neutral or take the country into war. There's all issues associated with raising revenue to pay down the debt. And uh, the agitation of men like uh, Citizen Genet, who's the French ambassador, is winding up Americans along the East Coast. The people are frightened. The people are wondering if the republic is going to survive. And so it's up to Washington and his administration and men who like Hamilton and Jefferson, don't really like each other and really figure that out over the course of these days. <laughs> How they're going to solve these This is the period where they decide they really don't <laughs> yeah. like yeah. each other. They, just right there. We're not just going to be friends. They, you know, exactly. We're, we're, A. Ham and T.J. were done with each other, you know, after this, uh, this whole thing. But, so how did, why was this appealing to you? Why, why this particular moment? And why, um, what did you hope that you would be able to accomplish with this simulation that you may not have been able to accomplish or wish you could have done with the Reagan simulation? Well, the major difference here, I think you've kind of pointed out already, is that this is a historical scenario. Mm-hmm. Like before we were saying you don't play Alexander Haig, and this one you do. You do, do get to be Washington. Mm-hmm. You do get to be Hamilton. You get to be Citizen Genet. There's 48, 48, 49 48 characters. There's a hell of a lot of in people this, in this thing, yep. right? Yeah, it got a little out of control, <laughs> but we, you know, we need to Put be it able in a good to. Way, I think. Yeah, actually. but we need to be able to ha- yeah. uh, have different groups come in. Yeah. And play anywhere from twenty, twenty-five people, all the way up to, to 50. fifty, and then even if we get more than that, we, we, there's things we right, can we do. Right, we have some supporting characters. Um, so, so, so the names we know, right? The big names, you know, Hamilton, Jefferson, you know, Edmund Randolph, Attorney General. These guys. Who, who are some of the lesser-known figures that that pop up in this simulation that may not be familiar to most? Americans and certainly won't be familiar to students. Well, every senator who was a senator at this time is a playable every senator. Role. So we wow. have the the nature of this game is that you've got Washington's cabinet mm-hmm. kind of representing the executive branch, and then we have a second room, which is like the main room, which houses the Senate. And so for our simulation here, we've kind of condensed Congress just down to the Senate. Sure. And then we also have. Well, we have James Madison representing the House of Representatives to bring that in. We have publishers. Mm-hmm. This was the time of incredibly partisan press. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. uh, people Very. like to think of, you know, 
uh, a golden age in American journalism where the press was neutral. Well, it wasn't always yeah. like that, right? Yeah. We've had partisan press before, uh, and this was certainly that case, mm-hmm. and this is the time of emerging political parties, which was you know, arguably somewhat unforeseen by yeah. the founders, mm-hmm. and Washington specifically and others are attempting to keep that from happening. Uh, what his farewell address kind of references this sure. specifically. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and then we also have playable roles of, like, the delegation from uh, Great Britain and from France. Oh, George right. Hammond and Janae. And Native American. And Native right. American chiefs. So you've got chiefs. the, the Creek, uh, big warrior from the Creek Nation, right? And then Joseph Brandt, who was one of the most formidable power players in early America, representing the Mohawk people, right? Um, right. So, and so how... Uh, uh, let's talk about actually those particular characters for a moment because they might may be the least familiar to a lot of the students. And so, sure. you know, what what roles are they playing? And how do you how how does someone step into a role when uh, you know, for example, the native way of life would be different from the Anglo way of life in that period? Uh, how do you help a student get into the mindset of what is at stake for Joseph Brandt and his people in this period? It's a challenge. Those are those are two of the most challenging mm-hmm. roles in the game because it is there's a lot to get up to speed about, right? Sure. I mean, that's a major difference between just to start off with doing a historical scenario. We've already talked about a number of things here mm-hmm. today that you're familiar with the history, but to a high school student, we're kind of starting from zero sort of on baseline, that, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so then so, you, yeah, they spend a lot of the early parts of the game learning their characters and learning who they are historically, what they mm-hmm. stood for, what they're supposed to be fighting for in the moment. Yeah, on their tablet, they'll have a character sheet mm-hmm. that will kind of say who they are, what they want. There'll be a series of three goals mm-hmm. that they want to achieve in the game, and then they'll also have, like, a list of contacts. Okay. So these are established relationships that you already have so you kind of have a good idea of who your friends or foes are um, coming into the game. So you've already got your sort of social network established. Uh, you can see the facts. These sort of the primary facts about this individual and what their sort of objectives and, and goals are. And I, I guess we should point out, you said it's on a tablet. This is, this is played essentially on an iPad, correct? Right. It's played in space. Mm-hmm. And you're playing a role in which the, the main <clears throat> things that are going to be decided are going to be decided by how you talk with other people and mm-hmm. make decisions but then the way you actually, you know, will give decisions for you to make and to consider, and then the way you record that is on the tablet. So you're getting new information in okay. as the scenario progresses, both from video screens mm-hmm. in the room giving you updates about things, but you can also, uh, because we're using the Internet and tablets, uh-huh. I can give you specific information based upon the role that you're playing. Okay, if you're playing uh, Joseph Brandt, you know, you're going to get very different information than sure. James Madison is going to get. I can give you specific information based upon the decisions that have been made in the room. When people make decisions, that'll affect what you, what information you receive. So the game evolves as people make decisions, and this is all based upon. So it's dynamically responsive. Every time we run the game, yeah. we do not know what is. You going don't know to what's going to happen. That's right. We we give them tremendous options and agency mm-hmm. in what people are going to decide, both individually and as a group. But we never, were, and I'm trying to write it yeah. in such a way that I'm not putting my finger on the scale for any outcome 
at all. It is entirely possible in this scenario that you can kind of recreate the decisions that actually happened historically. It's also entirely possible that the United States ends up at war sure. with Great Britain or France from this scenario, or engaged in military conflict immediately with the Creek Nation mm -hmm. or the Western Confederacy of tribes. Um, it all depends on how things go. We, we look at all of the factors happening there and just kind of say, what if? What could have, what else could have happened? What were the options that yeah. each one of these figures were considering? And then we make that a possibility in the game. Well, and I know this is designed for 7th and 8th graders and, and high school students, but like... High school students. High school students, up. excuse me. Um, this, this 7th like, and 8th graders could not do this. This sounds like this would be a lot of fun actually in graduate school, truth be told. Sure. Because one of the things we do is we play counterfactuals with ourselves to see, mm -hmm. you know, what, we have to answer the big question, why did things happen the way that they did? And we have to consider the alternate routes that people could have taken. And so I could very easily see this being adopted into a almost a history and methods course at a graduate level where, you know, you'd ask your students, okay... You think you know the history, but let's actually walk through the process of the decisions people are making. And I, the fact that you're not trying to get the right answer is really interesting because it's much more about the, the process of the decision-making and the alliance building and the, um, and the responsiveness to certain actions uh, much more than it is sort of figuring out that, well, we issued a, a proclamation of neutrality. But how do you, you said that you were very conscious of the fact that you didn't want to try to tip the scales toward one outcome or the other. So how, talk us to us about the process of actually writing this simulation. You know, how do, obviously you did a lot of research, but how does one actually go about writing a, a game simulation uh, to achieve the kind of dynamic responsiveness and interactivity and social engagement that you wanted to achieve with this product? The, the process started actually as collaboration mm -hmm with Mount Vernon. The Reagan team, the Mount Vernon team got together and we did a lot of just conversations about um, what was important to mm -hmm. Mount Vernon that they wanted to get out of a scenario, like what 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 were they interested in exploring. Um, you know, we we didn't necessarily start out with neutrality crisis. Sure. This this actually was something that Mount Vernon settled settled on. Uh, mm -hmm. We, for example, we considered um, constitutional convention. Oh, uh -huh. you know, especially like from a model UN standpoint, that seemed like constitutional convention would have been, um, you know, um, an interesting topic, right? Yeah, yeah. And for example, it, and so but it was important to Mount Vernon. You know, like we are presidential library mm -hmm. Washington as president they wanted to do a scenario with Washington as president and yeah, that made total sense. and that made perfect sense so once it was settled that neutrality crisis would be a good topic mm -hmm. uh, especially because a lot of the issues seem relevant to oh, yeah. 2019 we're facing a lot of these same issues um, then the research began mm -hmm. and that was done by me coming here and taking advantage of the excellent resources here. Sure. spent a lot of time reading books and going on the internet and talking with people like Doug Bradburn and Joseph Stoltz mm -hmm. um, for some help. And then we've done a little bit of reviews at various stages where we've, you know, kind of sent out materials to Mount Vernon to take a look at. Mm -hmm. The real test is going to be tomorrow where we have actual historians yeah. <laughs> playing the game, I'm fully expecting some some notes of like, this isn't exactly right here, but the good news is like, this is an electronic um, game. 
we yeah. can I can address those. We can fix it. We can fix it. That's right. This is not uh, you know it's not set in stone right now. We can we can really try to get it right and get it as accurate as possible while still having it be accessible to a junior mm-hmm. high school high school student. Oh sure. And that's a big leap to you know come in go into seventeen ninety three. And you know, try to understand the difference between a federalist and a democratic republican. Yeah. You yeah. know, or even, you know, issues of federalism. Not every kid. This is something deeply important to them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, but and, this is a great yeah. way to learn. I mean, they're mm-hmm. learning about the American government by becoming the American government. I mean, the modeling, the actions that mm-hmm. they that they get to partake in, I mean, that's one of the great learning resources that, that they have through this. Well, I like the way you said that, Sadie. And, and so could you build on that and talk about how this fits into Mount Vernon's overall educational programming and, and the framework, not only the Teachers Institute, but just in general, you know, how do you see this fitting in the, in this, in the orbit or the... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are really excited about this game in the education uh, department um, and just for the overall mission of, of Mount Vernon. I think you guys touched on a lot of the things that that we're excited about is that it is content-driven. I mean, it is, it is a very historical game, and, and students are learning about, you know, the growing country in the 1790s, how... People were still defining their roles, how it was still, you know, unstable. But mm-hmm. the powerful thing is they get to change the history as they go. Their decisions change it. So it's not just a content-based game, but they also it is a skill-based game that they get to to learn. Um, it's very, you know, we're looking at larger themes that connect with education about Washington. I mean, I think you touched on it, like those leadership qualities, sure. showing students that, you know, everyday leadership, they might not know Senator Cabot, but, you know, he may not be present in the history books, but the decisions he makes or, you know, the connections he builds with other senators goes on and changes the history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the power of collaboration and persuasion, um, cause and effects. I mean, there's this game touches so many wonderful learning outcomes, whether it's history class, government class, um, but then school leadership. You know, I mean, the student councils, this is a great way where people yeah. are stepping up. Um, so we're excited to to broaden. I mean, you know, not just focus on the content and just teach about Washington, but use these themes where they can actually kind of be it and see the relevance. I mean, these are happening today, all these issues, mm-hmm. and how that just because Washington made a decision 200 years ago doesn't mean that that decision is done. You know, the relevancy, the civic relevancy mm-hmm. is really a great I mean, that's an, an outcome that we've been pushing and wanting to teach about for the past couple of years, and this is a great way to show it. When I started on this a couple of years ago and was looking at, for example, the votes that take place in the Senate, if you're playing a senator, there's going to be a number of votes yeah. during the course of the game, and they'll have a process of determining what goes into the bill, then they're going to vote on the bill. Well, 18 months ago or whatever, when I was looking at what would the, be the issues that they would be deciding in the financial bill of 1793, mm-hmm. you know, how much money to borrow, well, what would the tariff rate would be? I did not think that tariffs would necessarily be <laughs> oh, yeah. a, a big issue. <laughs> oh, Lordy, yeah. Um, and yeah. they have. Right. Yeah. It all, you know. They have. I mean, a lot, a lot right. of right back. Is, yeah. It comes right is, back. It's coming back around. Um, you know, and they, yeah, and it may not, you know, when you talk about that AP test, I mean, 
they may not have understood tariffs before, and we may, you know, they may not walk away from playing Washington's cabinet knowing what the tariff rate in right. 1794 was, yeah. but they understand it better. They understand what it is and why context. it is, the context, yeah, that'll be there on the test. Well, building on that even further, I mean, it's, you referenced the, the, the tariffs we're currently talking about in our own foreign policy. We, you know, we're living in a very polarized time at the moment, uh, both in our politics, and it seems like we are uh, tearing each other apart in a lot of ways. I mean, do you see a role for this game of helping students, helping young people to learn the kind of the basic civic negotiating skills that is necessary to sustain a democracy and a republic? I do. I mean, I think, because uh, as we mentioned, there, uh, there are different outcomes. I think there are nine outcomes. Well, there's not, nine we, results. We can kind or, of funnel everything that happens into nine different endings, yeah. and we have an ending film, depending on how it goes. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of those endings are, hey, great, you saved the Republic, congratulations. And some of those endings are, you we don't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. like government we, collapses. right, government yeah. collapses. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, and that's an important thing to mm -hmm. realize. I mean, there's a reason, you know, we call the, we still call our government the great experiment. And I think this is a way for students. Right. We kind of take really, our stability for granted. Right. Absolutely. And we probably shouldn't. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should. And I think this is a great way to show it. And I think that that's how, and students can can walk away. And I think that this is a great way for them to realize that in, in the government, you know, even uh, there's no black or white. Mm -hmm. Even though you have the political parties, you can, it's a great way to show that the compromise that's needed to push through and, and that it is vital. And you can have different beliefs, but there are common grounds because ultimately the whole goal should be the same pushing the country forward. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with collaboration, nothing wrong with compromise, nothing wrong with reaching across right. the aisle. And there's nothing wrong with a little persuasion. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with pushing for your views, what you want, but a little give is nice too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, compromise is a value, right? And Absolutely. I'm not, and I would have... I would have thought that we took that for granted. I don't think we necessarily can. I, mean, I don't think compromise is a dirty word to some people now. Like Absolutely. That. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's... Like no matter where you, you know, you fall personally on that issue, mm -hmm. it's a great conversation to have, right? And part yeah. of what the simulation is going to do is there'll be seventy-five minutes of live play when you're in the game, and then we're going to do a debrief mm -hmm. where we mm -hmm. all sit down and kind of go over what happened in the game, and everybody kind of gets their chance to tell their own story about what happened, and some of that's necessary with. 49 possible people Absolutely. in the game. I don't know what's happened necessarily with Madison if I were in the <laughs> cabinet mm -hmm. the entire time. I need to hear that to understand everything that was going on. Um, but it also, it, um, it's an opportunity to kind of, um, you know, hang a lantern on some specific things that happen and have a discussion. Um, things didn't turn out quite the way you planned there. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just talk us through, mm -hmm. like, what were you, you know, what was your your mindset going through that? Why did you, why did you make that decision? Um, you know, we don't have to get into right or wrong, but just look at, you know, do you think, you know, seeing how it turned out, would you still have, yeah. have done that? Uh, should it, should you have been talking to more people in making mm -hmm. that decision a lot of times? So there's a lot of, hopefully, I think we're trying to create an experience that's going to stick with people a long time, the way that your model UN experience did, mm -hmm. but also it can be something that teachers then take back to the classroom and then they reference it 
next week, mm-hmm. next month, at right. the end of the year, and say, hey, remember when we were all doing this together? And, you know, exactly. I, it and should I, be an experience that stays with you for the rest of your life, but, but has real benefit in the classroom as well. Absolutely, because, you know, I mean, yeah, especially pulling through those lawmaking conversations that mm-hmm. they have at every different generation in our government. They're, it's always a great way to turn back and pull them through back to that, to when they were actually doing it, to remember mm-hmm. the process that, that they put through. Now, is this, this so currently the, you'll have to play this game here. Is that right? And then at some point there'll be a kind of a road show where, where Sadie or you or your crew will go around and, and, and I mean, there's been talk. I mm-hmm. mean, as, as Trey mentioned, you know, the game has to be played with currently about 25 students and sure. can go up to about 52. It's a 75 minute game. I mean, it's a big game, a right? Big game, I mean, right? it's and and it's all on tablets and all on the computer. So it's it's a hard thing it to is, make mobile. It is portable though. It is portable. We and so to make it so, so yeah. that if if you wanted to go and install it at a right. at a school, you could. Yeah, so the hope is that, you know, once we kind of really get things fine-tuned here, you know, kind of version 4.0 mm-hmm. is that, yeah, we're able to bring it to the classroom and we're able to bring it to schools mm-hmm. um, and and use it with them in their spaces. There is something special about coming here, though. Right. Right. Like oh, doing sure. it here yeah. brings a lot of added value. I mean, you come here and you see the library and the whole game's going to take place mm-hmm. in Rubenstein Hall, which mm-hmm. is gorgeous. And I just, yeah. There is a sense of place that I think is going to make this the kind of triple A version of of whatever <laughs> the game is, you know, like the, the highest version. So people should come here. I like that. You know, especially, you know, if you're a school group and then you guys are going to do leadership. Yes. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. So as, I mean, as you mentioned how this would be great for, for older or for adults, um, that's actually, or absolutely on our minds too. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we want to bring in the school kids and the teachers and use this as an educational front, but for that ongoing education. Um, our yeah. Leadership Institute, which, um, you know, hopefully people are, are semi-familiar with, I mean, it brings in organizations, universities, um, different groups, and this is absolutely something that is on the docket to to introduce. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it is powerful for adults to do the, the LARP games, and, it, you know, it gives you a moment to step back from yourself. Well, we already know it works. I mean, we mm-hmm. designed the game, the first one, the first situation room experience for junior and senior high school mm-hmm. students, but it's become something that they run corporate leadership groups through it all the time oh, at, wow. at Reagan. So we, we found that it scales up. Yeah. Um, you know, it definitely has a minimum age. I'm not saying that there aren't exceptional eighth graders that couldn't do that. I've sure. met some of them, and they know more about Hamilton than I will ever know. <laughs> But you can't take a you can't take a class of eighth graders in this. This is challenging. It is. It is very yeah. challenging. And and they could do it. The, the like there would need a the language and the vocabulary is really the challenging part. I think the concepts mm-hmm. they can get the the concepts, the themes, you know, the the cause and effect, the leadership that we're looking for, they can actually understand that. But there is some some language that is you know privateers where you right. would just need extra definitions mm-hmm. that when you're already in a 75-minute game, you're adding more time to. So, it's a so, lot to take in. It so is. That's a, that's a, it raises a really interesting question. What is the prep work you would expect teachers to have done before they walk into the simulation with their class? I mean, presumably they're in a social studies or a 
or a history class uh, by that point, and they will have introduced some of the basic history. But is there something that they they will need to do extra, or is their basic curriculum sufficient uh, to walk into this game and and have at it? And part of what part of what we're doing in this game is is we've built a pre-brief curriculum. There is uh, curriculum for for teachers uh-huh. before they come. Uh, Mira Cohen, who said. Director of Education at Reagan has worked with Allison Wickens and mm-hmm. your RV, teams. Our VP of Education here, yes. In order to do, you know, provide materials for a teacher that will make this experience better for their students. Mm-hmm. That said, we can handle it if you just show up and you right. haven't done anything. We sure. don't. We're not saying you have to do this. It will be better if you do our pre-brief materials mm-hmm. and you assign roles. Um, these different roles have different challenges. Some of them require a lot of public speaking. Not okay. every yeah. not every kid wants to be put in front of the class and and have to speak. Right. Uh, but some kids will thrive in that, and maybe they're not even the best students. So, like we do, give guidelines for like active casting. You know, finding the right role for the mm-hmm. the right student in this. But yeah, there's a whole. If you go to um, the Situation Room Experience website, which is a government website, and then I think we th- it throws to the Mount it Vernon one. It connects to ours. If you're going to come right. do it here, it's, All the materials be... are on your site currently. Yeah, but you, they'll be able to access Absolutely. them Absolutely, they will, and yeah. And it helps get up to speed. There's a video yeah. that you can look that will explain what the scenario is and kind of gets gets everybody up to it's 1793, right. Great Britain and France are at war, you know, and just where America is at at this time to make it more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's the, and that's the real challenge with a, a historical scenario mm-hmm. is just making it accessible. And there's, you know, as a historian, you bring a lot. You're going to bring a lot to this, but that's a lot to take in uh, if you are starting from scratch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we try not to overload people at the beginning. We try to... Give them a, a minimum, little bit of a slow mm-hmm. start. Yeah, give them a minimum to start out with, and then as they play the game, mm-hmm. we'll deliver more content to them as they need it. Right. Uh, in gaming design terms, this is called right-in-time yeah. design. And, I mean, I think that's one of the things we're right kind of really design. excited about. I mean, that puts us active in the game, too. I mean, that puts the staff, mm-hmm. we get to be involved and help them understand um, and give a little bit about their character and then walk away. Right? right. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, this is totally... We, we give these students this information. We help them understand, you know, not just the technology, but you, where you they stand. Up, you set it up. And then you let it go. And then you go. And it and for 75 minutes, they take it. And we get to, to just watch it unfold. That's actually part of the pre-brief is we kind of say, don't come to us with your questions. You know, like, figure it out yourself. Oh, we really? want people yeah. taking responsibility for mm-hmm. their characters, and it's totally legitimate if you don't understand something, but ask the student next to you, work it out. We're trying to, like, part of what these games are about is breaking a little bit of that classroom mentality mm-hmm. of when you have a question, you raise your hand. I'm raising my hand right yeah. now. <laughs> and waiting for a teacher to tell you what this thing is. Right. You need to be an active participant trying to figure things out. Now, we're giving you some stuff, but you're like, what's a privateer? Right, exactly. Again, I'm pretty sure somebody else is going to be able to explain. And I think this goes is. along with how you mentioned, we're not looking to give them the right answer. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, all of this is for them to build those skills. This, his, you know, this critical thinking, this historical inquiry, um, and find it on their own. You know, we're we're presenting them with these options you know, just because 
Washington made the decision or our government made the decision doesn't mean it was the right decision. It was just the decision they made, mm -hmm. right? And it happened to be the first one, so it set this precedent and this legacy that we still follow today. But I think that's part of that influence is giving, showing them that this is all the neutral information, this is all the information they had, now you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you critically think about it and decide. Here's the thread. Start pulling it. Absolutely. And everything is contingent after that. There's also an opportunity here for looking at maybe things that we take for granted mm -hmm. or just you assume certain things about the United States now. Like we have a Navy or we have a standing right. federal army. These were not givens right. at that time. Exactly. We, didn't, we didn't have a, a standing Navy, and the topic of a federal army was controversial. It's terrifying. Yeah. To a lot of people. And so that that helps people kind of just say, oh, all these things that we just assume right. we've always had. No, these things had to be built. We didn't always have it. We had to make decisions about how do we use our army and what is the proper use of a federal mm -hmm. army. And, you know, we do we need a Navy? Well, if we're not invading other countries, what do we need it for? It seemed to be... Kind of the Democratic Absolutely. Republican right. stance at that time. <laughs> exactly. No spoilers. And it's expensive. So why would <laughs> spoilers for the twelve? The British are coming back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. Exactly. But that was, uh, you know, part of the going back to research a little bit. Uh -huh. Part we it, it's a one of the things about 1793 is that we do get to see some kind of different outcomes play out in the next twenty years. Right. We mm -hmm. end up kind of having a pseudo war with France after right. that. What does that look like? Well, we have right. a, a, we eventually get to the Democratic Republicans take power and we do get to a a war with, you know, with Great Britain mm -hmm. in in 1812. And so we can kind of look at these things and accelerate them and make you know, if if we had gone that route quicker. Right. If neutrality hadn't right. been the stance which delayed a lot of these things and complicated different things, you, we can kind of you know, or we could have collapsed into a French Revolution style. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we're, I don't know. Just things things could have gotten a lot worse, and that's a possibility if the government goes bankrupt, which is a possibility in this game. Absolutely. Well, sure. And, you know, in this period, as you hinting at, like everything was at stake. Everybody in Europe expects the United States is going to collapse, and they're just going to pick apart the pieces mm -hmm. that they want. I mean, there's no reason to not expect that the British won't eventually come back out of Canada or even. Great Britain and, uh, you know, pick off New England or, you know, maybe entice the Pennsylvanians to come back into the fold. And these are very much uh, present scenarios that people can imagine happening. Um, and the, it sounds like the simulation that you all have built is designed to walk people through those experiences and that very sort of palpable fear that mm -hmm. you know, people didn't think the Republic was going to survive. And yeah. and if, if, if it doesn't, then the Europeans were right and yeah. Republicanism is wrong and monarchy reigns supreme. Uh, and we'll just end up killing each other. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it walks them through. It's a pretty high-paced game. Well, sure, I yeah, mean, yeah. you're like you're bouncing really fast, and Sweating. and I mean, but I'm yeah. glad you listed all this stuff because that's exactly I think one of the important parts of this game is it's not just like you you make one decision and then you move on to the next and then you move on to the next. You know, you're spinning six plates at a time. Well, you know, you're, yeah. you have that overall theme of the neutrality, like, do we declare war on Britain? Is Are they going to declare war on... Like, and you're going back and forth, but, like, we got to get this tariff bill passed and do we want 15 or 13 mm -hmm. stripes on our flag? You know, I mean, <laughs> yes. you know, I mean, these are very important <coughs> questions, but, I mean, you're... 
you're you're talking out or not with the right. Right. That's the but training vote. That's that, the one that that's, teaches that's them the mechanics of voting. It's very important. <laughs> um, but uh, but I mean, you know, you're you're discussing one bill while you're you're voting on the next while you're having a meeting about trading manufactured goods with England versus France. I mean, like it's it's really going to mm-hmm. show. I mean, it's high. It's it's to show you how many things happen at once and how serious these decisions and everything blended together that the the domestic hit the international right. really really right. connected. We've, we've compressed the third Congress into seventy five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the time frame that Trey will sometimes be like, okay, so in about ten minutes or four months, we're going to make this vote. <laughs> you know, I love when when those references hit. The first game was real time. So that that oh, you yeah. know is more like you know the president was shot, you yeah, know, forty five minutes. We've got forty five minutes to figure this out. Yeah, well, or, or, 10. or ten. Yeah, yeah. but well, here we're trying to we're, the time frame is a little bit different, <laughs> a little compressed, right? A little, a little more compressed. Yeah, yeah, but as you say, right, it's not about as we began the conversation with Dungeons and, Dungeons and Dragons. It's not about leveling up or getting that magic sword. It's about trying right. to figure out how the heck are we actually going to pull this pull this off with right. all the things we have on our plate. And all the other things that are happening over here that we have to worry about, but we can't necessarily address at this moment, but which may become important in 10 minutes or four months' time. <laughs> and, right. di- and, yeah. different, and different roles want different things. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Right. You know, yep. and not everybody is on the same page as far as what they, their vision of what the country should be. Mm-hmm. And again, that's very modern and that's very American. That's what right? we have to deal with yeah. still, right? That's good. So, so tomorrow we're field testing it with with staff. And how many people are coming out tomorrow? So uh, we have about 36 coming out 36. tomorrow. 36. You have not – so you I, – I asked you not to tell me who I'm I Right. I, I assign the roles, but I, I, I've been sworn to secrecy on your part. But um, who are you playing? Oh, I am playing uh, Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson. Again? Uh, again. She loves – This is this – is, She has a love affair with uh, Doug Bradburn, if you're listening, that's not true. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm outing you. I'm this is not a secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is not. Again, I, because I this is a podcast, it. you can't see the shade of red. <laughs> Sadie has turned. You look, you look like the moment. color of your hair. I, I feel like somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Thomas Jefferson. I feel like somewhere my boss just got real mad out of nowhere. <laughs> we know how loyal you are to Washington, right? <laughs> That's well, so true. Until 1793 when That's you right. break with Washington and, and become and, your own man. Yeah. Sadie, we're talking about Sadie here now. No, oh, talking about Jefferson. Well, I mean, what's oh, see? <laughs> I mean, see, we knew it. There's, there's, there's just a very small line at this. Point, there sure right? is. Yeah, I've yeah. already, I'm already in character. I've already, I've been waiting to play this game for. And are a you, long are time. you playing? Or are you overseeing? No, I'm, I'm running. He's the game. proctoring. I'm You're proctoring. Okay. And then, um, yeah, one of the one of the things that can happen because we compress the. One of the things that we can compress so much time here is that we do have a poll at the end of the game. Uh, where a number of different roles in the game can say they want to be the next president. Uh-huh. And so we'll have a poll to see who is, based upon what happens, it can be like one of 11 different characters, yeah. and many of them are actively trying to position themselves mm. to be the next president of the United States. And Jefferson is one of those, although Jefferson's generally too busy to... Well, I have other... Con- he has other people campaign for... for right. You, right. Know, you, he's s- a, you stand for election this That's point. right. You that's right. Run. You don't run. You stand yeah. for it. Thank you. But secretly, you're organizing it behind Well, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to use those newspapers. Philip Freneau, write me some letters yeah. in the newspaper <laughs> and right. make me look good. Yeah. Drop, you know, <laughs> you maybe a couple for stories for should, about other people in the paper. You should try to win. Yeah. Well... At least beat Hamilton. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Arch- Jefferson Arch- plays to win. Who's playing Hamilton? Thought you didn't want to know. Oh, it might. It, it is not Jim. Okay, so I guess good. I can. I can. Yeah, you can uh, tell me that. that is Kathleen Ford, our interpreting uh, an interpretive supervisor here. Ah, okay. Yeah. So. Excellent. She and I, yes, will so be going head to head. Well, at least I'm not fighting against you tomorrow. That's good. <laughs> Theoretically. The well. Theoretically. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so after after the simulation, after the field test tomorrow, what's the next step, and when does this roll out? So the next step is on Friday and Monday, um, we are bringing school groups in. We, we nice. Yep, we are actually going to, while Trey is here, um, bring in students and, and run it from start to finish um, and have um, as much experience as possible. And then in the fall, what, um, what our goal is, is, is to kind of launch it mm-hmm. and run it with, lo- bring local school groups and the great way that we're going to do this is we are connecting um, this experience, Washington's cabinet, um, with our Ammerman student leadership um, okay. uh, workshops that we put mm-hmm. together. The the Ammerman family created these um, amazing opportunities for students. So we're going, um, you know, to be putting the reach out for students and hoping that student government leaders, student leaders um, in sports in the classroom um, are nominated by their teachers uh, Mm -hmm. as groups to come play um, and really kind of give them this this awesome opportunity uh, to to take on Washington and, and the government role. That's fantastic. So Trey, you've you've helped to build this. What's next for you? Uh, after you tinker and make make modifications, what's uh, what's on the horizon for you in, in simulation world? Um, there's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just really excited about doing more of these kind of educational simulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we've se- we've done a cu- couple of them now, so we know that there's a lot of opportunity to do more that kind of meet different different needs. Absolutely. I think. Uh, also, what we want to do is, in addition to kind of building more of these games at institutions like Mount Vernon, uh, we want to do a version that can kind of get into a classroom, you know, make oh, mm-hmm. make these kind of simulations more accessible. We've created, along with Mount Vernon, this like this great content. Now it's like, how do we get it in front of more students? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so that's why doing something that's portable or getting it in the classroom is something that's that's really important. It- it's just such a great opportunity. I mean, technology is, you know, just changes not only the face of education, but, I mean, museum education. And being able to change sites like Mount Vernon from just being a field trip destination that people think about mm-hmm. to actually being effective resources for classroom curriculum. And, I mean, these games that Trey creates absolutely have that power. And it's, I, I hope that, yeah getting well if you're listening to this podcast i mean we've already seen this kind of work in Mm -hmm. california and texas where they're booked up months 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 in advance so this is in the the period where like we're trying to build interest it's going to happen Mm -hmm. once teachers start seeing it like what we've seen is like teachers come in they play this they love it and then they immediately sign up their class for next year and the year after after that. So now is a great time if you know a teacher or you know somebody who's the right age mm-hmm. in high school, let them know about this because it's a great opportunity and you'll have a lot of fun. It, it's really would be a fantastic field trip. Oh, of course. 
And Sadie, if, if people are listening and they have interest in bringing their students out here, um, should they contact you or what, what should yeah, their process so, be? Yeah, so I am the one that, that will kind of set up these, uh, uh, set up these experiences. Um, so email, we also have, if um, searching on the Mount Vernon website, um, we have information if they kind of search Situation Room or Washington's Cabinet. Um, It'll come up. Our little page will pop up with my information. It's my email. It's just stroy at mountvernon.org. But, yeah, I'll I'll be kind of that go-between to to set up um, and then getting to proctor the events, which I'm most excited about. (laughs) Totally awesome. Well, I'm very excited about tomorrow, and I think you all are too. And I'm looking forward to seeing this launching uh, with our student groups next week and then certainly in the fall. All right. Well, thank you very much yeah. for you both. and, and um, Thanks for having me. You're welcome, and thanks for being here. And Sadie, no. good to have you on the podcast. Is, this was, yeah, this is my first time. I love this. This was your first <laughs> so, time. Same time next week? Yeah, same, <laughs> same, t- same bat time, same, same bat schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, thanks so much. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to Conversations in the Washington Library, a production of the Fred W. Smith National Library for the Study of George Washington. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jim Ambusky, with assistance from Mount Vernon's Media and Communications Department. Our theme was composed and performed by Ginger and David Hillebrand. If you'd like to support this podcast, as well as new research into George Washington and his world, please consider becoming a Mount Vernon member. More information is on the webpage for this podcast at www.mountvernon.org podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.